Welcome to this week's episode of BusinessWise. This is a podcast series for entrepreneurs interested in expanding through learning and applying the management system discovered and developed by humanitarian philosopher and administrator, Mr. L. Ron Hubbard. You know, it's been a while since we've discussed art and its role in success. It has a very, very significant role. To the extent that Mr. Hubbard wrote a series of 14 articles on the subject and included it in his three-volume management series that he authored, along with such topics as personnel, marketing, public relations, establishment, finance, data evaluation, executive skill, organization, target attainment, computerization, and general administrative know-how, Ranked with such topics, you can see that Mr. Hubbard regarded art as a vital element in management. And it is. Whether you realize it or not, art and aesthetics has a lot to do with your management decisions and has a lot to do with your decisions as a consumer. Would you rather frequent an establishment such as, like, let's say, a restaurant that maintains a high aesthetic? You know, it's got atmosphere, it's cozy, or whatever it is. Or would you rather go to a sloppy, ugly one? Do you gravitate to the sleek, sexy automobile or the boxy, plain-looking one? Which advertisements grab your attention? What written text or copy grabs you or what words inspire you? When you hire or promote someone, is aesthetics an element in your decision? Do you want the person at reception, for instance, to be attractive or does it matter? Fact is that if you would have your product or service be popular and consumed, it pays to understand a lot about art and use it in how you conduct your business. It's that simple. So in case you thought, because this episode has the word art in it, it isn't really very important, you have no idea how much you are limiting yourself and your expansion. It all comes down to an understanding and appreciation of art. And if you would have success, you better have those things. And reversely, if you're an artist yourself and seek success, you would be wise to join wise and get smart on the subject of management. As a matter of fact, we have a group now, it's called the Effective Management Association Artists USA, and they meet every week virtually via Zoom, and they put on webinars every month, and they're an incredible group, and they're an expanding group. So if you're an artist, it would make sense for you to join that kind of a group, all right? Whether you're a photographer, writer, fine artist, doesn't matter. Anyway, back to the subject here. By the way, we did do an episode, it was called Art, Life, and Management, episode 22 of volume one. And I highly recommend you listen to it after this one for more data on this from LRH, from Mr. Hubbard. Um, But the bottom line is, if you're not careful as an artist and you're not smart on the subject of management, you'll likely find yourself getting, quote, managed, end quote, into a hellhole if you're not careful listening to pretenders who often don't really have your best interest at heart. But anyway, that's another subject. All right. So Mr. Hubbard wrote an article entitled Art and Presentation dated the 8th of October, 1964. Now, bear in mind, Mr. Hubbard was an accomplished artist himself. He's a best-selling author, an award-winning photographer, a recorded musician and composer. The term Renaissance man does not even begin to describe the depth of this man's abilities and skills, nor his legacy. But he put particular emphasis on the subject of presentation, P-R-E-S-E-N-T-A-T-I-O-N, presentation. Now, presentation means, if you look it up in the English dictionary, there's several definitions, but One of them, per Mr. Oxford, the manner or style in which something is given, offered, or displayed. And the example given is, the presentation of foods is designed to stimulate your appetite.
So we all know about you go into some restaurants and the presentation is like, wow, you know, it's part of the enjoyment of being in a fine restaurant is its presentation. It's not just with restaurants, though. How about a speaker? You know, you have a speaker who has a certain presentation the way I'm not talking about their presentation. I'm not talking about the, the, the delivery of their talk. I'm talking about how they present themselves. How do they look? How do they carry themselves? This has a lot to do with how much you're willing to listen to that person, how much you're willing to take what they say uh, seriously, if you will. How about the presentation that your business gives uh, as people enter the front door or even outside the premises? You know, what is the manner or style in which something is given, offered, or displayed? How is your business being displayed? Does it look sloppy? Does it look broken down? Does it look like it's closed? I, I, I go to businesses sometimes, I can't tell if they're open or not. That business has a poor idea of their own presentation, and you can get the idea that this must influence adversely their business. On the other hand, you go to some businesses, you just want to go inside. You want to hang around. You want to stay there. You want to talk to the people. The people are all presenting themselves well. The furnishings and the and the cleanliness and the neatness is is maybe it's innovative, it's artistic, and you just want to hang there. You know, it makes you feel engaged. So these are all examples of presentation. Now, uh, I'm going to read this article to you, but he uses another word in the article that we need to be clear on because some of you may not be familiar with this term, and that is the word bank, B-A-N-K. And now bank is another word for the reactive mind which is defined in Dianetics, the Modern Science of Mental Health, which is Mr. Hubbard's landmark work on the mind, written and published on May 9th, 1950. He describes reactive mind as that portion of the mind which files and retains physical pain and painful emotion and seeks to direct the organism solely on a stimulus-response basis. It thinks only in identities. In other words, it sees one thing and it equals another. Right? So he sees... Because of the content of the bank or the reactive mind, they see automobile or they see sports car, and that equals pain, that equals accidents, that equals stay away, that equals loud noise, that equals a lot of things, a lot of, it equals unconsciousness for the person if he was perhaps involved in a car accident in a sports car. That's just you know a, a classic example, but there are hundreds of examples, and you can think of them for yourself, but the bottom line is, if you ever feel like you're not in control of yourself or uh, you're not able to pull yourself out of a funk or a black moment or an apathy or a low-toned uh, experience where you're kind of what we would describe as caved in and all your attention units are going inward and you can't seem to, you know, come alive, you're talking, we're talking now about the bank. That's the bank operating. Understand that's the reactive mind kicking in. Lots of ways to describe it. All right. So now let's get into this article. Its title is, I think I mentioned earlier, Artistic Presentation, 8 October 1964. And he says here, we live in a machine world. The whole yap of TV and newspapers is directed toward reducing effort. The primary goal of the civilization in which we live, it seems, is to reduce all personal effort to zero. The less effort a being can confront, the more effect of effort he becomes. All right, so is that so? It was true in 1964. What about now? Like, are we not surrounded by things which are supposed to reduce our effort so we don't have to work as hard? Our computers are doing it for us. Our phones are doing it for us. Our cars are doing everything for us. You don't even have to roll the window down anymore. 
you know, it's controlling the temperature. It's you're in an area you're uh, of civilization right now where more and more things are being put on automatic and being, quote, taken care of for you, which requires less effort on the part of the person. And you can see that in a general decay in the ability of individuals today to confront and deal with effort. You apply a little bit of effort and, you know, all of a sudden everybody's going splooey. Okay, we got to get things done. We got to get rolling. Oh, I can't handle the pressure. I can't deal with this. or I can't deal with that. What are we talking about here? We're just trying to, you know, make sure the business is open tomorrow. You know, we're just trying to make sure that we hit our targets so that we can attain our goals as a group. But it gets harder and harder to find individuals that will play on that sort of a team basis because of what he's describing here. He says the less effort a being can confront, the more effect of effort he becomes. Can't exert any effort, can't confront effort, therefore he becomes the effect of effort. So anything that goes wrong in society, anything that starts putting any kind of pressure on the person, and they don't really know how to deal with it. I remember watching uh, a gentleman. I was uh, in a member's business. She happened to be a headhunter looking for caliber executives to place in uh, productive organizations and so forth. And she had a candidate who had just been fired making, you know, whatever, you know, a significant salary you know, wearing the finest jewelry and watches. And he was sitting in the boardroom. I walked in as she was just wrapping up an interview with the guy and I introduced myself. And this guy had been making, you know, high six-figure income and had just been laid off, probably due to some incompetence. I'm not sure what that was all about. And he was now looking for a job, hoping that she could place him somewhere. And I can tell you, I have seldom seen someone so afraid. So scared. Despite all the fine jewelry and watches and suits, the guy looked like he was flipped the hell out <laughs> because he had been supported by a system that was no longer supporting him and clearly not up to confronting effort and therefore becoming the effect of effort against him. So he says the less effort a being can confront, the more effective effort he becomes. If you reduce a man's effort output to zero, this is Mr. Hubbard, if you reduce a man's effort output to zero, you will also collapse his bank on him. So here we had this dude, and he clearly had his bank all over him. So Mr. Hubbard goes on to say this. He says, the modern trend of, quote, don't do, end quote, accompanies the modern trend of an increased percentage of the insane in the society. The crazier a person is, the less he accomplishes or does. So we live in a world which is oriented to drive men mad. Well, what do you say? Have you noticed this? I certainly think we have plenty of evidence of people going mad. To, to what degree? They have been put into a civilization where effort is out of vogue. If you, work, if you have to work hard, then there's something wrong with that job. That job is too hard or, you know, it's too much work or it's too much effort. There must be an easier way to do this. There must be a device or a gadget that can handle it, right? Now the bank is really creeping in on these guys. But Mr. Upper goes on to say this, but more pertinent to us, we suffer from the continuous bait, quote, do it the easy way, end quote, quote, do it in the way that will demand the least effort, end quote. This is now a cultural thing, right? He goes on to say this. He says, we see this in manufacturing, particularly the easiest way is the cheapest way is the most profitable way. So we get into a do it the easy way, quote unquote. Well, that may apply to making spoons for profit but it does not apply to presentation. 
You understand? So he's now, okay, good. All right, we're going to manufacture stuff. I mean, we all know that the quality of, of things that you purchase today, they're pretty disposable. You know, you get a computer, it's going to last you five years. You know, back in the day, you go into an antique store and you see these incredible uh, things built to last forever. And that would not be the modern culture. All right, you're expecting things to wear out quickly. You're expecting automobiles to be useless within, you know, four or five years. So he says, so we get into, uh, let me repeat here. So he says, we get into, uh, quote, do it the easy way, end quote. Well, that may apply to making spoons for profit, but does not apply to presentation. So maybe it applies to manufacturing. You know, you want to call it that? Fine. It may, but what it does not apply to is presentation, right? What one is presenting to the world, whether it's your letters, whether it's your promotion, whether it's your signage, whether it's your reception, whether it's your copy of your of your advertising whether it's the quality of your the, the image or the presentation of your product this does not apply this factor of doing it the easy way he says the whole world of the arts is directly opposed to the philosophy of the businessman or manufacturer that's rather unfortunate i would say goes on to say this art seeks to create an effect an effect is not always created the easy way indeed the better effects are quite difficult to achieve. One can fall into creating easy effects to such a degree that one fails completely. For instance, this is Mr. Hubbard's example. For instance, a dozen cakes are in competition at a county fair. The one that wins is not the easiest cake to make. True, the cook that made the winner may have some easy ways to shortcut cake baking, but the winning cook actually takes that extra bit of care to make it all just right. It isn't magic or luck that makes the professional. It's hard-won know-how carefully applied. And write that down in letters of fire from Mr. Hubbard. It isn't magic or luck that makes the professional. It's hard-won know-how carefully applied. And he goes on to say this, a true professional may do things pretty easily from all appearances. Have you, have you ever watched some of these real pros paint a wall or build a cabinet? Or It's crazy. They make it look so easy, you know? But man, what skill and what, you know, what work went into doing this? So he says, a true professional may do things pretty easily from all appearances, but he is actually taking care with each little bit that it is just Right. I've worked with some uh, extraordinary cabinet makers and carpenters, you know, old school, the precision and the humor with which they approach everything. By the way, there you don't see the bank around these guys. Yeah, you do when they're not working. <laughs> but when you see them at their craft, man, those guys are unbelievable. What the things that they can do with wood, they're magicians. OK, and they and they make sure that each little bit is just right. And it's it's a beautiful thing to watch. So Mr. Robert goes on to say this, the winner has it instinctively. The loser rarely even grasps the concept of, quote, do it right, end quote. That is a hallmark of a loser. There's not even a concept of doing it right. You see things that are being done sloppily. You are watching the production of a loser. You see things that are half done. You see things that are done sloppily. You things that are done inaccurately. I'm sorry. That guy is on the way down. You want to get him to come the way up? You have to adjust that idea of, first of all, get him to have that idea of do it right. And, you know, these days when you're, when you're bringing on employees and you're bringing on teammates and stuff like that, this is one of the reasons it's so important you train your people because they are being taught in the opposite direction. They're being taught, hey, the easy way is the right way. 
You know, there's got to be an easy way. There's got to be a gadget that does it. No, you may have to instill those values in those employees. It's part of what you're, what you got to do to be, build a team. I'm not saying it's great that you have to do it. I'm just saying you have to do it. Okay. Whether you like it or not, that's what you, that's what you're dealing with. You're dealing with a cultural decay. So you have to counterman that. You have to work in the opposite direction and bring these values about. That's why we're doing this episode. So he says, uh, the winner has it instinctively. The loser rarely even grasps the concept of, quote, do it right, end quote. Artistic presentation always succeeds to the degree that it is done well. How easily it is done is entirely secondary. To the world of presentation, of putting up, uh, we're going to use a new word here. I didn't define it earlier, but mock-ups. Mock-up is something that you've created. You know, if you uh, make a sketch of a building that you want to put there, you know, you're creating a mock-up of it. And mock-ups can be three-dimensional, they can be two-dimensional, but they're mock-ups. So when a guy gets all dressed up for his job interview, he's putting on a mock-up. You know, he looks incredible or she looks incredible. You know, maybe she sustains it through her whole career, or maybe she doesn't, but that mock-up at the moment is terrific. So that's putting up a mock-up, right? So in the, and she's making a presentation, clearly. So to the world of presentation of putting up mock-ups, the only guide is take the care necessary to do a good job. To the world of the businessman, the manufacturer, the primary guide is, quote, how can we do it easily, end quote. These two philosophies clash. We are taught daily in advertisements by union leaders, by socialists, that do it with the smallest effort is the greatest goal in life. Do the least work for the most pay by the automatic machine that chews up the most clothes in the least time. Use the roofing paper that goes on quickest and keeps out the least rain. Vote for Jinx, who will make all the world eat without working. Do nothing yourself. Shove it off on the mix-up accounting company or the man at the next desk. These are all Mr. Hubbard's words, right? Goes on to say this, that all this leads to total dependence on gadgets, total enslavement to mounting economic puzzles. Sound familiar? That all this leads to total dependence on gadgets, total enslavement to mounting economic puzzles, even to total enslavement to a commissar crush toad in the next generation is neglected utterly. That less than two centuries ago, we lived quite well and built more strongly and were a lot saner without all these ads, tools, and commissars is never mentioned. You know, people are talking about, you know, oh, we got to handle this, you know, modern problems. We got to handle this. We got to handle this. this is so horrible. Hey, man, we didn't have all these problems, you know, a couple hundred years ago because people were relatively saner because they were not they were afraid, not afraid to confront effort. They get out there and work and roll up their sleeves. Goes on to say this man is solving himself to extinction and all on the slogan. Don't exert yourself. It's gotten so bad that people are shrugging off all responsibility for the state, for their friends, for anything and everything. Nothing has anything to do with anybody is the epitaph that nobody will take the trouble to write on the tombstone of this civilization. He goes on to say this, this is Mr. Hubbard. Now, this is no rant against automation or gadgets or self-sterilizing cat petters. Use all the gadgets you can lay your hands on if they really do work in your hands and don't absorb all your time in earning their price or repairing their faults. No, my thought here is only this. Keep your action level above your gadget level. You could write that down on a notebook and put it on your computer screen. 
Keep your action level above your gadget level. That's a good motto for today. Goes on to say, keep ahead of automation. Keep ahead of do it for you. Don't disenfranchise yourself by giving all your work away to a machine, to a fellow worker. Hey man, what about embracing work? How about embracing creativity? How about embracing effort? You know, I used to take a friend of mine when we were kids, you know, I was raised on a farm. So, you know, we would go, he would come and visit me and we'd go in the back and split wood. And, you know, this guy, it took, it took a lot to drag him over and get him to start you know, splitting wood and swinging an axe and all that kind of jazz. And I lived on a farm out in Iowa. I pulled the corn and I worked in the hay. Got trapped by a girl, but a wiggle free. Heard the organ timber calling me. Will you tell me something, Mr. Lumberjack? Is it one for forward and three for back? You know, he'd be bitching and complaining the whole way, but by the end, when we earned our beer or whatever it was that we rewarded ourselves with, man, different cat, different guy altogether, just using effort. Okay, Mr. Robert goes on to say here, if you've got equipment, do one of two things. A, use it to increase your production of effects, or B, get rid of it. But first and foremost, realize that in presenting something and trying to put up mock-ups, that the best way isn't always the easy way. The best way is only the more effective way. Work out first what effect you are trying to produce. It's giving you an, a formula here. Work out first what effect you're trying to produce. What am I trying to create here? What I, I'm doing an ad. I'm writing copy. I'm making a poster. I'm making a sign. I'm setting up reception. I'm setting up the operatory or the patient you know, uh, chamber or the, the shop, setting up the shop. You know, what effect am I trying to produce when people walk in here? What, what, what impact do I want it to make on them? So he says, work out first what effect you're trying to produce. Then when you've got that all taped, only then consider the easiest way to do it. And never consider the easier way at all if it is less effective. Because what are you doing it all for? Create an effect. So easy way is not necessarily going to give you that effect. Mr. Robert goes on to say this, art takes that extra bit, that extra care, that bit more push for it to be effective art. There is no totally easy way to produce a desirable effect. And the day you drop some of your ideas of the effect you want to produce is the day you get a little older, a little weaker, a little less sane. So, don't buy the easy way. Buy only the effective way. If some of its points can then be made easy, good. If not, do it the hard way. And only if you realize this can you escape the gargantuan trap of a society with the mass goal of, quote, nothing should ever be done by anything but a machine or somebody else. L. Ron Hubbard. Okay. I bet you weren't expecting all this much animation and passion in uh, this episode, but it's meaningful because it has a lot to do with the values of the current society. And you have a lot to do with creating the new values, bringing back valuable old values. You have a lot to do with that as an entrepreneur, as, a, as an employer, as a business owner. Please do not regard your responsibility in this lightly. The culture of society is only the accumulation of all the impacts and creativity of its individual members. And uh, no one creates a bigger impact than the entrepreneur does. So 
You have a responsibility. Please pass these values on to your employees, to your families, to your friends. Uh, Each of you have tremendous success through your use of this information and help us build a better world as well. All right. That's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you again next week.